Oh God, you're welcome. <laughs> Didn't just forget the children. If you are here for the first time today, you are very welcome. Amen. But if, if you are, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> but you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pete. I love you a Morning, everyone. Um, it's a joy to be able to come and bring the word of God this morning. And has just reminded us we are continually journeying through uh, Peter's first letter. Uh, to the believers who were scattered in different uh, provinces in um, what was called Asia Minor at the time. And um, last week, Nere Petros preached uh, from chapter 4, uh, from verse 1 and to 6, I think. And he actually came ahead of his time because he was going to be away today. So today we are going slightly back uh, to chapter 3. And we are um, going to be preaching through verse 8 to verse 18 of it. Um, where Peter there had just spoken um, to encourage a certain category of believers in God's household. And he spoke to three categories. One was wives, husbands, but also slaves. He was encouraging them to embrace their unique calling in God and to live their lives continually in a manner that is worthy of their calling in Christ. Despite the challenges that they were facing and many circumstances. And let's remember that the context um, in which this book was written was that the believers were under great pressure, great suffering. And sometimes it becomes so easy to think these were things that only happened then. Especially the persecution aspect. But as in the repeat, uh, reminded us today, sharing with us about the situation happening in Pakistan and that has been going on in India for a little while now. We do realize that the church is still under attack today. And persecution still happens in various parts of the world. And while we may not be um, experiencing 
persecution directly on a large scale at least so go mo bona la fela ga keng ga kopana ka ba go dobana le tlhobotse yeo ka kotlologo le tlhakong le nna very sure that many of us still um go through suffering of different kinds me modimo ta ipona hata ka ba ta ipona go tla huma matshwenyo a me futa futa khatsi therefore this book is really to strengthen us to encourage us as we go through it together jale bukaena mo tsepiopio ko gore ya re khothatse re matlafatse jalo ka ha ge dobo na le dinthotsela le tatsi le le tsa maybe for those of us who may be going through that even now which are sure no but also it is to prepare us we don't know what the future looks like so i think it's very very important in any situation that we find ourselves in i think it's such a key message for us that we are really going through in this book
for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, therefore, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, um, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. Let's just close our eyes as we commit this word to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the authority of your word. And it is our joy to submit under your word, Lord. We believe your word. And we know that it is a perfect instruction for us. And we know that your word gives life, Lord. And I pray that it will impart life to us today that it will captivate us Lord help us to see you more and more and to rejoice more and more in you that it will stay our hunger for you I pray that it will captivate our hearts together as a body. Bless us Lord in your name Amen. So as we said, Peter had just addressed three groups of people. But now he comes to speak to the entire church again. And he simply wants to instruct them to equip them and help them to know how to live their lives as faithful witnesses. And conduct themselves in a winsome or victorious way. Including among the unbelievers. 
Perhaps some who would have been those who were causing suffering for him. And the first thing that he says is that they should be like-minded. Now, the background most of the time in the Bible uh, of that phrase or that command is often when we are being pointed to Jesus and being asked or encouraged to be of the same mind and of the same heart and attitude with as he is. And sometimes it says, have the mind of Christ. And for example, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, have the same mindset as Christ. But what Peter is stressing here is that there should not only be um, like-mindedness between a believer and Christ, but there should be also among the believers themselves. That we should be of one mind, of one heart, and of one attitude. And that's the heart of God for us. And this is very, very important for our growing fellowship with one another. And our witness to the world. That we be a united people. The reality is that we have already been given unity. We are already united. Because Christ has conquered on the cross. And in doing so, he demolished any wall of division that stood between us. And making a way for us to be reconciled to God, but also to one another. So the instruction of the Bible is that we should maintain our unity. Because we have it. But also to grow, to build on that unity. And the question is, how do we grow, how do we maintain the unity, how do we grow in it? And I'm glad to answer that it is by sharing the same doctrine. That's one of the keys. Because doctrine or common teaching, shared teaching, um, enhances and grows our unity. One of the most um, amazing verses that you find in Acts 
is when Wade says that the believers were of one mind and of one heart. When you read from chapter 4, verse 32 of it, it might be seven or so verses from there. And it's a beautiful picture that it paints that they were sharing all they had. So you begin to see the result, the flow of life that came from them being united in heart and in mind. But we would not um, appreciate that enough if we would not uh, take it back to actually what was the cause um, for them to be in that state. Where we are told in Acts um, 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to um, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. So there's actually, I think, an order even between those four pillars that really sustained the early church. And the other is that the teaching, the common teaching that they were receiving helped them to be of the same mind and helped them therefore to strengthen their fellowship and then so on and so forth. The Bible says something quite interesting. It says, how can the two go together except they agree? How can the two journey together except they are in agreement? Except they are in agreement. Oh, so common or shared doctrine helps us to be of the same mind so that we journey together smoothly. And Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that uh, Jesus gave the church um, three or five gifts rather. They are the five teaching gifts of the church. Although not limited to that, I must say. <laughs> um, and it says that each of those, they, their, their work is to equip the church. And for works of service. But also to build the church until they come to unity in their faith. So teaching 
from the Bible is yes. very, very important to help us to be of the same mind, of the same heart, and of the same attitude. And then Peter says, as a second lesson, he says, love one another. In this case, in particular, through burdens and suffering. And this is this um, command is right at the heart of this book and of this passage. The call to love one another. And love is the highest of all the spiritual virtues that we have. When there was um, a challenge in the church in Corinth, when things were a little bit chaotic, challenges um, when it came to understanding the work of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, where there was a bit of an obsession and lack of understanding on how to use the gifts of the Spirit. Paul rise to them to correct the situation. And at the heart of what he has to say, he upholds the virtue of love. And he says, of the three greatest virtues that we have been given, which is hope, faith and love, he says, love is the greatest of them all. And he says, all the gifts will cease. But love shall remain. Faith will cease as well. Because one day we will see Jesus face to face. We will be in glory with him. So we won't need faith anymore. And the hope we have will also cease. Because all we would have hoped for would be right there with us. But Paul says, love shall remain. Because God himself is love. And sometimes I wonder, how, 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 how is it going to look like in heaven? What language are we going to speak? <laughs> because the Bible says there will be people from all languages around the throne of God. But I wonder if we will be speaking those languages. <laughs> Remember before um, the Tower of Babel, 
Unless it seems there was only one language that God's people were sharing. And on the day of Pentecost, uh, I don't, they were speaking, I don't know, different language but which everyone could hear. The Zulus would like to think that we'll be speaking Zulu in heaven. They say it's a place of the Zulus because it's called Amazon. <laughs> but I think what will really bind us together in heaven will be the love of God. Because it is the most telling thing of our union with Him. And as we see from this passage, when we walk in love, we do not only represent God, but it helps us to walk in humility, to carry one another's burdens, to sympathize and to forgive others' wrongs. And the Bible actually sets a very high standard for us. It doesn't only say, love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. It says, love even your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. That is not very easy. But because God has said it, He enables us to do it. And I believe that Peter is not only emphasizing love so much in this book because we don't know what it looks like to love one another. But because when you go through hard times, when you are suffering, it is very difficult to give love, to express love. It is easy to become self-centered <clears throat> and to pursue self-ambition to lose empathy and adopt apathy, to be inward looking, it's just a man of our fallen nature. And for some, even receiving love when you are in that state is so difficult. Receiving love becomes really difficult. Because we easily close our hearts. And at times it's even easy to isolate and really hide away. And in fact, this was um, the situation. Um, when the book of Hebrews was written. Because 
the believers were going through all sorts of emotions, finding it difficult because they were suffering severely. And the writer writes to encourage them. And he says this. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised us is faithful. And he says, let us go on sparing one another on towards love. And good deeds. And he says, not giving up on meeting together. Because that was the situation. There were some people were starting to disappear from um, the gatherings of the body. Because the difficulties can want to can make you to want to close yourself inside and not see people and all of those. <laughs> But he encourages us, let's not give up. Because one of the ways in which the enemy uh, will work against you is to isolate you. Because it's easy to access you at that point. But when we are together as a body, we are formidable. Number three. Let's be kind to with and to one another. Because when we are distressed, when we are, when we are through endurance, under pressure and through strain, it's difficult to be kind, as we see in, in this passage here. <laughs> we can easily be frustrated with people. But also with ourselves. And I think usually that's where the frustration with other people comes from. And I want to encourage in particular the people who are carrying a lot on a day-to-day basis. Because of the concern of those we are caring or the things we are caring. It's difficult to care for ourselves and look after ourselves. And then the consequence of that is we are not going to care well what God has entrusted to us. Maybe we begin to have unfair expectations on people. And this, this, this affects, as I said, usually people who are caring a lot. 
Maybe you are a leader at work or you own your own business, you have people under you. You are trying to make things work and it's difficult. Or a parent at home. You're trying to make ends meet sometimes from very limited resources. Or a leader, you are carrying even a church, you are carrying a concern for people. Things are not going as you would hope or as you would expect it. It's important to guard our hearts, to watch our actions. And we must know our limits as well. We must know our limits. And also find a way to recharge when we feel we are a little flat. So that we keep on finding fresh grace to serve the same people. Because when we lose joy, when we lose our temper, the frustrations go on others, there's a bit, a bit, a big price to pay. <laughs> There will be moments of anger, of course. <laughs> but it's important to relent quickly, come to the Lord. Sometimes it takes just a line of prayer to ask God, God, I'm angry. I want to lay it before you. <laughs> so it's very, very important for us to really know that because we are carrying a lot, as the Bible says, a lot is required out of those who much has been given to. Number four, be willing to suffer for for righteousness sorry one of the things that is so easy to switch on to when we are in difficult times when maybe we feel attacked is to go on a self defense mode that's very easy. Paul again writing to the Corinthians where they were doing exactly the whole thing about self-defense. They were starting because they had conflicts among them. They were starting to take one another to the wealthy courts and sue one another. And 
And that was a terrible testimony for the church. So Paul writes to um, challenge them, to rebuke them. And he says something very um, fascinating. He says, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheated no wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. So, in other words, he says, rather than retaliate, you would rather accept to be wronged. That's what suffering for righteousness can look like at times. I'm not even suggesting that we be gullible or just act as cowards. <laughs> Although it would be fine if we were, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but I'm trying to say, let's remember um, who our real enemy is. When faced with opposition, let's remember that we do not wage the war as the world does. Because the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood. But against rulers, authorities, and powers in this dark world, of if, this dark world. Our weapons also are not of this world. We are called to fight a good fight of faith. And thank God he has given us, he has clothed us in the armor of, of, of Christ. A spiritual armor, not a physical one. <laughs> we have been given the word of God to proclaim, to exercise. We have been given truth, righteousness, faith, and our salvation itself. Those are the weapons of our warfare. And the Bible says they are mighty through Christ. Says they take down strongholds. And they set us free. And God has promised us those who um, who endure that we will receive the victor's crown at the end of the day. So leading to that, 
I want to come to the fifth point. Which is that we should treasure the word of God. One of the beautiful examples I find in the Bible of this is from the book that, that the Indian encouraged us to read um, weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think. And the book of Daniel. Where we are told about these three young men from Israel but in exile in Babylon. And we are told that the king of the land had made a decree that every person uh, on a call should um, bow and worship a statue um, of gold that he had made. But these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not follow that order. And they did not do it to defy the king that they taught so wonderfully on that. But they did it to honor God. So it was not to dishonor the king, but to honor God. So they were expressing the reason for their faith in that difficult situation. And the hope they had in God. And this is um, a quotation from that book which expresses how they responded. They said, Kingdom God Nessa, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter when they were brought before him. Even if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which was going to be the punishment, we are confident the God will we serve will deliver us from it. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold yourself. And the question is, were these guys, what, what helped them to be um, so resolute in their hearts in this situation that was so difficult to handle? Were they super believers? Were they super believers? 
the Bible doesn't allow us to think that way. <laughs> they were ordinary men. We are told that even the heroes of faith like Elijah were just men like you and I. But these three guys treasured the word of God. Not only when they were faced with trouble, but every day in their lives. And that word in them, when they were in trouble, as God promised, helped them and anchored their faith, gave them confidence. Remember Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness? Although he was endowed with divine power, as you can think of it, and could have easily rebuked Satan and sent him off on his way. But he leaned on the word of God. And I think somehow, for example, here to help us. Sometimes we want to use the word of God in the moment when we are faced with something. Why we don't really, really value it all the other time? That's not treasured in the word of God. Treasuring it means valuing it in your heart. Submitting yourself under its authority. Making the time to be in the word. Reading it, studying it. Receiving it, even when it is being preached by others. That's what treasuring looks like. And then, that word sustains us when times are hard. And we, it's important not only to pick up certain beads of scriptures that we feel comfortable with, but to embrace the whole Bible as God's given body of truth. And including the parts that are not so comfortable as we read them. I have heard so many 
parts of the Bible like that in my life. <laughs> that a little bit like a thorn for a moment. <laughs> you, wish, you wish it could be written differently. <laughs> That's the battle we have between the flesh and the spirit. <laughs> but our attitude should be even if I don't understand, even if I don't feel comfortable with it now, God has submitted to it. If you don't understand it, go and seek understanding. I'm saying this because I think the word, being enriched with the word, helps us um, especially when we go through such times as suffering. That we can uphold the word in our hearts. Sometimes it's not remembering the exact word, but the word, the life of the word will anchor you. Because the Bible has a doctrine, a teaching on suffering. Paul, um, in fact, in, book, in the book of Acts, him and Barnabas going through the churches that they had planted. He says they, were, they went back to encourage these churches. And you know what the encouragement looked like? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And later writing to Timothy, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's part of scripture. So when we mess ourselves into the word of God, we'll come across such things. For a start, it's like, ooh, a bit of a shock. <laughs> but the gentle Holy Spirit massages it into our faith, into our hearts. So that the moment we encounter these things, we are not short. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons why we get easily swayed away by false teaching it's really when we have not treasured the word of God. Particularly the prosperity gospel message. Which has cost so much wound in the Christian faith. Because what it teaches is the complete opposite of embracing suffering. I remember 
probably seven, eight years ago when it was rapidly on the rise. I'm sure that message would have always been there over the years, but at least in where I was, that was like seven, eight years ago. That at the same time that this um, unhelpful message was rising, there was a crowing thing about these things called pyramid or Ponzi schemes. So there we have a confession. <laughs> I know, and, and I, looking back, I realized how clever the enemy is. He, he saturated the atmosphere with this message that appealed to our flesh. And on the other hand, this thing that was promising quick uh, prosperity, success, was coming up as well. I remember um, I was preparing for my wedding and I needed a lot of money. <laughs> I needed some money for the baller. And the temptation was huge around me as well. <laughs> and I had close people, including my sister, who was saying, Come on. Do it. Really to descend and, 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 and make sound decisions. It is the word of God that helps us. Because without the knowledge of the word, the Bible says we are easy, will easily perish. Not that you will die literally, but you will be taken away, uh, swayed by things that are not supposed to. And Jesus came and said, If you hold on to my teachings, you will be my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So it's the word of God by the revelation of the Spirit that gives us insights, 
and helps us to discern and understand the times in which we live. And it helps us to resist the devil. And trigger the wisdom that helps us to be well positioned in those times, even if they're difficult. Lastly, there's a purpose to suffering. As it says behind us there, it is to strengthen us. And the reason why there's purpose in suffering is because Christ himself suffered. And And he suffered for uh, main two reasons, if I may say. To make, number one, a way for us as sinners. Uh, to come to God and be saved. He said, I am the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He has not only made the way for us to come to God, but he is that way. So if we want to come to God, we go to Him. And we come to God through Him. We acknowledge the finished work that He has achieved for us. And the Bible says we deceive ourselves and we lie to ourselves if we say we are without sin. Because all people have fallen short of the glory of God. But when we put our trust in Jesus, our sin is taken away and forgiven. And that is when we come to him with humbly and with repentant hearts. And if that's something you have done in your life, praise God. And let's continue to embrace that very same message. Someone said, one thing that we need to keep reminding ourselves every day is, is the gospel. Because we forget it every day. Our lives reflected at times that we forget it. But if you are here today, you have not entrusted your life to Jesus. You have not fully surrendered to him. He suffered so that you would not have to suffer. At least not eternally. So you have an opportunity. Where if your heart is saying yes to him, 
We are here to pray with you, to help you, to guide you, so that you also become part of his people. And therefore, your suffering will no longer be in vain. But it will be for his glory. As it is for all believers as we suffer for righteousness. So that's the second purpose um, to suffering. That we who are Christians, we suffer um, no longer in vain, but so that God receives glory. But also that we will receive a crown. A reward from Him. It's amazing because the Bible says even the apostles, after they had been severely beaten, they were rejoicing because they had they counted it all joy that they had been they had suffered disgrace for the name of Jesus. And Paul says, I want to know Christ and to partake in his suffering. So that I will also partake in his glory. So that's the difference that we have. We who are his, our suffering is not in vain. So let's enjoy brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen.